The following program is part of the Inner Circle Podcasting Group. Go to innercirclecomics.com for more high-quality podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Ho, 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 this is Santa Claus, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast with those naughty boys, Jared and Matt. I still hate those boys. Break it down like this. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 236 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, December 16th. My name is Matt Baum, that's at Matt Baum, on Twitter, and when I'm not Star Warsing my Star Wars, I'm writing the comic speculator blog for WordPoint.com. I am Jared Savitas, at Willie Toots, on the Twitter, and when I'm not anxiously awaiting to co-host... THN proper for the eighth time. Really? Eight? Eight times! Wow! I play the character Flint Lock, human freebooter, on the Pathgrinders 3 Die D podcast. I get it. Flint Lock. Yeah, yeah dude, I use a piratey <laughs> gun. <laughs> In this week's episode, you're going to hear our reviews of Alan, son of Hellcock, and Weird World number one. It's very fantasy driven this week. Oh, I love it. After that, Toots and I will review 10 more of this week's comics faster than any nerd can spoil our Star Wars experience during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where the ghosts of Ben Kenobi, Yoda, Qui-Gon Jinn, and Anakin Skywalker are talking about next week's comics. And finally, Da Orca himself steps in to tell you speculating types what comics y'all should be selling in his Take the Money and Run segment. So, let's strap in, nerds, because this podcast has made the... Let's strap in, nerds, because this is the podcast that made the castle run in less than 12 parsecs. And when we're done ripping off Dune, the Dam Busters, and the Seven Samurai, and the Searchers, Metropolis, and the Wizard of Oz, we'll get around to talking about this week's Big News! Matt, me. How much did you love G.I. Joe as a kid? You know what? I think we we talked about it one time before. You and I... We loved G.I. Joe. We did an... Action figure thing? Oh, yeah. No, no. Favorite Joes. Favorite Joes. That's what we did. Yeah. What about those Micronauts? I loved the Micronauts. I did not know what they were until I stumbled upon some comics yes. later on. And yes. then I found out that the Marvel Micronauts might not be the real Micronauts, but they were still cool. They were still cool. <laughs> I had all the monsters. Like, I had all the insect Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were so cool. Or whatever those... Uh, whatever. Anyways. What about Mask? Yeah, I'm sorry. Mama mask. Oh, pardon me. I didn't realize you were talking about Mama mask. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mama mask. Everybody loved mask. Give me a break. What about Rom Space Night? Right. We all know that I have a special place in my heart for Rom Space Night. I've got a picture of him up behind me somewhere. I see it from it's here. Right up there. Yes. This week, the coked-out lunatics that run Paramount Studios announced their plans to create an interconnected movie universe, bringing all of these beloved '80s franchises together. Have these dudes lost their damn minds? I, if this had happened in April, I would say this is an April Fool's joke because it's just preposterous. This is so bizarre. Now, it is the logical extension of where you go when the Avengers franchise has made as much money as it has. Everyone's like, oh, shit, we got to interconnect our universes, too. Mm. We're doing it. We're going to make a bunch of weird Spider-Man movies. We're going to make a bunch of weird X-Men movies. <laughs> Why not? I think it's ridiculous, though. And I would say that, like, isn't. G.I. Joe Transformers, the next logical step. I don't give a shit about either of them. Go baby steps. Yeah. And then, like, they go, oh, the real threat is small. The Micronauts. Ah, 
guy, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, but see, uh, you would also think that they would want to latch on to something that everybody knew because I feel like not everybody knows the Micronauts. Not everybody knows Rom Space Knight. Even Mask. That's right. like, that was still pretty cult stuff for like nerds like you and I. Are they just going for the grown up parent? Who will bring their kid into this nostalgia world? I think ideally, like recreate something in the 80s where we had that like propaganda toy sale commercials, you yes. know, like where every TV show was basically a half an hour long commercial for the action figures. Sure. I think that's what they're trying to restart. I think it's really interesting. There's no mention of Transformers at all. Why not? They already have. Hey, that. man, the Transformers is a it. powerhouse. They don't need it. Yeah, they Transformers. The four films have grossed over a billion dollars. Uh, that's ridiculous. I think totally I've seen, ridiculous. I've only seen two of them. And is this going to like re-inject interest into GI Joe? The last two movies did not do well. Were universally panned. The third installment was announced in 2013, and we haven't heard crap from since then. I don't know, man. It's ridiculous. It's kind of it's a very weird hodgepodge. It is. Hasbro only recently. Acquired Mask, I guess. This summer they made that announcement. And they had teased the potential for a Micronauts movie back in 2009. Uh-huh. But it's like all this had just been floating in development and they were like, F*** it, smash it all together and we'll let The Rock <laughs> shoot everybody, you know? <laughs> I think like, I think seeing some of this would be pretty dang fun for sure. You know, like seeing Mask. It's certainly wacky. <laughs> that would be wild. <laughs> yeah, like are they just going to show up and be like, back off, G.I. Joe, we'll handle this. Watch me put on my mask <laughs> and this is my ride. Jared. Shortly after Marvel and Netflix announced the upcoming Iron Fist live action series, the website Nerds of Color launched a campaign calling for Iron Fist to be played by an Asian American actor. As most of you probably know, Iron Fist, Danny Rand, was created by Roy Thomas and Gil Kane back in 1974 based on their love of the bombastic kung fu movies at the time. Mm-hmm. There's a pretty compelling editorial on Comics Alliance that busts Marvel out on their lack of Asian American heroes. What do you think, buddy? Is it time for an Asian Iron Fist? Here's what. Here's how we make these guys happy. Okay. We do the same thing they did to Bruce Lee. You get David Carradine to be a fake, <laughs> fake, <laughs> fake Asian guy for the TV series. I love it. I love it. Just like uh, the, the fake Indian guy in Short Circuit. It was really just right? like some white dude. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I do was, not think his circuits was... can take the power. <laughs> Uh, so I, I read that piece and I feel like they've got a point. I'm, I don't have any problem with it. See, at first I my and this, uh, here we are again on the THN race relations oh, yeah, well, and, here we are. and racial sensitivity <laughs> discussion, which you all come here for, obviously. <laughs> and last time we, we talked about, we really talked about something like this. Joe and I talked about Fantastic Four and how mm-hmm. they cast, uh, the Human Torch and Sue Storm's dad, basically as black men. And I said straight up stunt casting because it doesn't change the story or add anything to the story. If they're black, right? Nothing. And it just makes him a black person. And people are like, you're a racist, whatever. And then they saw the movie and they're like, Oh yeah, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have necessarily have a problem with it either with him being, you know, Asian American. That doesn't bother me so much. But they're saying Marvel needs to push forward an Asian American character and we don't want to stereotype and so on and so forth. But he would be a kung fu expert that came from magic kung fu land. I mean, <laughs> isn't that like kind of inherently racist oh, well, in itself? You know, I 
But I, he's I, half. He's Asian American, dude. And I get it. I get it. But like, I'm sorry. There was also no mention of Shang Chi, Jimmy Woo, Sunfire. You know, like, yeah. And I'm not saying any of them are major A-list characters, but Shang Chi, honestly, is one of my favorite characters, uh-huh. and would lend oh, himself yeah, perfectly rad. to the Marvel TV universe. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's Marvel's Bruce Lee. More or yes. less. Now, again, he is just an Asian guy that is a kung fu expert. So maybe we're splitting hairs here. And I sort of talked to myself in and out of it while I read that editorial. I get what they're saying, and I agree with them. I just don't know that changing Danny Rand is the answer. Let's push forward one of the Asian characters, like Jimmy Woo. He's like a badass, you know, international spy and intrigue guy running this weird group. The agents of Atlas. Sure, yeah. I mean, there is something that breaks the mold big and, time. And with like the oddness of the Guardians of the Galaxy that took yeah. off, the agents Agents of Atlas would be a really fun. Agents of Atlas is way more too. grounded than Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I mean, really, I get what they're saying. They got a big ape, though. That's true, <laughs> and I don't have a problem <laughs> with them making him Asian American if that's what they want to do. I just don't know if that is the answer. To the problem. Like, it'd be one thing if, like, he's going to be an Asian-American cowboy or he's going to be an, (laughs) you know what I mean? He's going to be an Asian-American barbarian or something. But, like, he's an Asian-American martial arts expert. Doesn't that still kind (laughs) of. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I I think he should be a left-handed lesbian midget Eskimo (laughs) albino. (laughs) I think it would be all right. Yeah, it's playing a little stereotypical but it's a double-edged sword man yeah no matter which way you go you're gonna run into this you know hey it's it's a white guy yeah it's it's just like the last samurai with tom cruise it's a white guy that comes in right. and saves us or like goes to avatar planet and goes hold yeah. on yeah. alien morons let a white dude show you how it's done yeah man. <laughs> you know? so and i get that and maybe that's a fault of these comics but that's also the time when they were being printed and stuff like that. And I and and that begs the argument that it's time to update this yes, stuff. Yes, sure. say that, yeah. And I agree, with, I agree with some of that. I just, I guess I'm fine with it. I guess I'm fine with it. I've talked myself into it. I'm fine with it. But I still think it seems a little... Uh, it might be <laughs> a little, what, like heavy-handed? Yeah. You think it's like... I, I don't know. Asian what? dude shows up and yeah. guess what? He's all, ha, hoo, ha, ha, hoo, ha, hoo, ha, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but hey, man, he'll look sweet with the dragon tattoo no matter who Oh, yeah. Is. Yeah. Okay, Matt, enough of that. What uh, What about the, our first look at Justin <laughs> Lin's? Enough of meaningful racial discretion. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, we got our first look at Justin Lin's upcoming Star Trek Beyond, and wow, was that fast and furious. You see what I did there? I Yes. <laughs> what did you think of it? I okay. A bunch of people freaked out because Justin Lin directed Fast and Furious three through six. I for one really like those movies. Sure, yes, <laughs> they're fun. You can't deny them. They're fun, right? And this trailer was a lot of big bombastic action, but it's a trailer, man. Like, did you really think? That they were going to go straight into the diplomatic, you know, problems that were taking place in the universe or like discussion of the prime directive or something. I mean, this is what you show in trailers. Ships blowing up. Stuff happening. Yes. Aliens with cool swords and stuff. You know, you've got like a minute and a half to two minutes to capture. Right. People. Ticket sales. You got to blow them away with You have to give everybody a nerd boner or they're not going to come. That's how it works. Yep. The film writer and actor Simon Pegg defended the trailer at the European premiere of Star Wars, The Force Awakens, saying that fans need to withhold judgment and there's plenty of Star Trek to go along with the action. And I I trust him. I totally trust him. Yeah. 
They haven't screwed up Star Trek yet. I realize there's a new director coming on. But regardless, he's made good action films. Let's not forget the other two Star Trek movies were action films. The second one, there was a lot of criticism, I'll say, that it was too much action. But I still really liked it. I've just been waiting for them to get out into space and do the travel. Right. Do the trekking. And so they're finally doing the trekking. They've got brand new uniforms, it looks like. Man, so much happened in the trailer. You got Scotty jumps out of the machine with a CPAP machine on his face. And you got uh, <laughs> CPAP machine. You got Albino Gamora. Scotty's a terrible snorer, man. His epiglottis <laughs> closes. It's awful. So, I mean, there's a lot going on. And they just blast you with it. And then, of course, they blast you with the music. And you're right. It is bombastic. There's just so much going on and I coming at have you. I a problem with that. You know, whatever. I. I'm almost kind of immune to these things nowadays where you're just kind of like, okay, there was the trailer, bam, boom, they gave us a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Maybe I got chills. Maybe I got excited. Watch it a few times. People beat down movies too quickly nowadays. I agree. I totally agree. Get over it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a trailer. Shut up. Get over it. We go to the movie and it sucks. Yeah. Do you want no more Star Trek movies? How about that? How about (laughs) we just take it away? (laughs) And we were doing that right before we started recording. (laughs) Like, yay, we want Star Trek movies, but not like that. (laughs) Boo. You know? Shut up. Go watch. Watch the old series and be quiet. Well, that's just typical. And finally, to the shock of no one, Star Wars The Force Awakens is on pace to break not only the opening day record, pulling in 100 million between late Thursday and Friday box office receipts. I think it's so weird how Hollywood goes, oh, opening day, you know, those two days that it <laughs> opened on. What the f- that according to boxofficemojo.com the force awakens will unseat harry potter and the deathly hollows part two which pulled in 91.1 million on its friday release according to deadline.com the latest star wars film is on pace for a 250 to 260 million dollar weekend my god which means i have to eat some crow oh man I do recall because I went back through the notes and I saw that you and Joe Patrick had a nerd bet calling your shots on this new Star Wars box office haul. You were a little conservative with your prediction of two twelve million, which is conservative. That is crazy. (laughs) Now, to be fair, so was Joe with his guess of two hundred thirty million. But looks like Joe wins this one. Joe wins this one. That's a win for Joe Patrick. Whatever. More importantly. Marvel has a stranglehold on the monthly market share right now, thanks mainly to their Star Wars comics. Jared, do you think these Star Wars books should credit George Lucas as a creator, or at least say, based on the creations of? I was thinking this very same thing, because I've been reading, I saved all of the Marvel uh, Star Wars books to read this week for Star Wars week. So I've been kind of shotgunning them. Oh, wow. That's a thought that came up to me, too. Because at the very bottom, you know, you've got the Disney LucasArts logo on the credits page. And I was like... And then you open a Batman book and it says created by Bob Wayne and Bill Finger. Or at least based on the uh, creations of... or Stanley and Jack Kirby or whatever. And then I was like, I didn't do the research, but I was like, did Dark Horse? Dark Horse probably didn't do it either. Or did they? I don't recall. I don't don't know. Someone Uh, may need to lay that on us. I kind of think it would be cool if they did. Okay, so lay it on us. If anybody knows about the Dark Horse stuff, lay it on us. Go to the forums. There's a lay it on us forum. The dude created it. We have to be like, based on the creations of George Lucas. If you're going to do it for Bill Finger, who everybody fought for, and just recently got, you know, his props in the pages of Batman, which I agree with, he should, you know, and then like, you know, Simon Schuster and Kirby and all that. I mean... 
why is Lucas not there? Is it just because we know that Lucasfilm is so is his? Is that what it is? is it, I, I don't know. I don't know either. It's it's a weird discussion. I guess it just goes without saying. And I'm curious as to why it doesn't happen. But maybe somebody out there knows more than we do. They could tell us. I don't know. The force is strong with someone. Somebody certainly. That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories and everything you think we missed, hit us up on the big news section of the THN forums where Joe has posted the longest and most in-depth Force Awakens review you can imagine. It seems he had a bunch of free time this week because he didn't have a show to prepare for. I did. (laughs) Every week. The absentee questionnaire, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week on the THN forums. Jared, can Mm. you tell us what Joe is asking the listeners this week? Well, this week's question comes from Anthony, currently residing in Brooklyn, and it spins right out of last week's question. Now, as you may recall, last week, Joe and Matt were a little tipsy during the answer of the week show. No. I kind of feel like it's um, alcohol abuse on Joe's end. (laughs) But uh, both of them were reduced to blubbering crybabies after Anthony called in recounting a Superman story about a little kid with cancer. So this week, Anthony wants to know, what comic or comic book story made you cry? Answer, got it. We're going to feel our feelings. (laughs) We're going to feel all our feelings. Yes. You have until 5 p.m. Central Standard Time this coming Friday, December 24th, to get us your answer and Xmas wishes. You can call us and leave a message with your answer using Skype. Our Skype handle is Two Headed Nerd. Or at our Ziggurat hotline, 402 819 4894. But if you're feeling frisky, you can send us an MP3 to Two Headed Nerd at gmail.com. But Keep it under two minutes or you will get cut off like a lizard tail. True that. If you need more time than that, feel free to write your full answer in the question of the week section of the THN web forums. I was going to say like that guy's arm in the cantina. Yeah, I, I was, that was a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> and then tune in next Thursday to hear you and your fellow listeners on the THN answer of the week podcast. Oh, oh, like the wampa arm. Yes. You'll get cut off like a wampa arm. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it hated that. It's review time in the Ziggurat, where we read and discuss two of this week's comics and rate them on our buy it, skim it, or leave it scale, Jared. It is so nice to finally have a professional here. Totally profesh. Why don't you get started? Tell the kids what you chose to review this week. Oh, my review this week is Weird World, number one, Marvel Comics, written by Sam Humphreys, art by Mike Del Mundo. Did you want to say his name? Mike Del Mundo! <laughs> yes, <laughs> I always I do. do. Yeah. <laughs> like the Sabado Gigante <laughs> guy. <you know? laughs> That's 32 pages for $3.99. Now, those of you who listen religiously to the THN Answer of the Week may recall Answer of the Week, number 93. Ooh. What obscure comic, old or current, do you love? My personal answer I called in I was Weird World. I in reference to the 1970s and 80s comic books, Marvel must have heard my clamoring, for now there is an ongoing Weird World series, which is, to quote Golita, the wizard slayer from issue number one. Wicked awesome. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. I did that. <laughs> now, you may have heard about this thing called Secret Wars. Matt, yeah? That Marvel's been doing? I recall something about it, Okay. Yeah. Now, this is where Spidey gets his black costume and there are the, all these spin-off tales. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that Secret <laughs> yeah, Wars. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I thought you went the never-ending one that we're currently embroiled <laughs> in. 
I did. <laughs> well, uh, well, Weird World War Zones was one of those series, and just last week, you THN people here praised that five-issue series, naming it the best of them all. It was. It was the best. Now, this ongoing series features a new writer, but the same artist and a new set of, quote, heroes. Will it be as good as its successor? I say thee! Wait for it. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh, <laughs> oh. Weird World is a lost world of swords, sorcery, and science. It's my kind of place. Oh, yeah. It is another realm close to our own. It is into this world that high school student Becca Rodriguez. I think it's Rodriguez. Rodriguez. <laughs> Rodriguez. <laughs> and the plane full of passengers she was on crashes. An airplane crash does seem to be the best means to get to Weird World. I guess. As others before her have arrived this same way. Becca is immediately and unwillingly thrown into, nay, flown into Hey-o. the depths and dangers <laughs> of this world. The delightfully creepy wizard Ogeode. Yeah, he was awesome. He was just like a puffball <laughs> with a mouth. He is awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Introduces the Wuxian Seed, which I'm sure will bring much unwanted attention Becca's way now that she carries it. Quickly followed by the bombastic appearance of Becca's new traveling companion, Golita, the Wizard Slayer. That's three times we've said bombastic. And Wizard Slayer. Oh, crap. (laughs) Now, Becca becomes sidekick and squire to this Golita. From there, I would love to say the book goes full tilt, but it does spend the rest of its pages introducing returning villains from the Warzone series and... A new presence reveals itself in the final two pages that just had me a quiver. I think that it is evil, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, right? It, I don't know. Things got a little weird. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the story is really fantastic fantasy. Um, Sam Humphreys picks up the tone and wildness of the first series. He doesn't miss a beat. I was hesitant when I heard the book would feature a world-displaced character, though, Because so often we are fed this story. Yeah. A person from our world or reality is thrust into a lost, hidden, or forgotten world of magic and fantasy. And my question was, would this person be another boring Dorothy or Alice whining on and on about getting back home? Or would they be more like John Carter or Adam Strange? What about you? who, who, Who embrace and prefer their newly displaced home? I'm happy to say that Becca seems to straddle the two. She has a valid and deeply personal reason for getting home, yet she seems more keen to adapt to her new surroundings and work out the getting home thing as she goes along. At least, that's what I hope to see from the series. Artist Mike Del Mundo! (laughs) His artwork leaves me speechless. He's so good. The digitally painted artwork brings me right back to the beautifully painted pages from the 1970s World World magazines. This feels very deliberate, like a tip of the hat to me. The tones seem to change when the scenes are wrapped around Becca and Golita to a mix of pinks and blues throughout the book, then greens and burnt oranges with the villains. It's subtle and just gorgeous. Yeah, so gorgeous. Now, side note, Tyndall, the elf hero from the old original real world, does make an appearance along Thundra who currently sits at number 10 in my top 10 favorite Marvel female superheroes Whoa. in this week's squadron Supreme number one that Matt, you reviewed that. Shit, I right? did. I did. We'll talk about it. A little what bit. is going on? I'm thrilled with real world. Buy it. Yeah. I had a ton of fun with this too. It was just great. 
It was, you know what it reminded me of? Thunder of the Barbarian. Where it's oh, like, yeah. See? like something went wrong with the world and there's still like cars and buildings around, yeah. but everybody fights with swords and there's monsters. Sci fantasy is bigger than I even realized. Uh, recently, I, I, I did a big, I got really into some sci fantasy, read a lot of books, and then I was like, oh my gosh, uh, He-Man, Thundercats, yeah. Thundar. Yeah. This is all like science fiction adventure fantasy, time like, even yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah it's a total like chocolate in my peanut butter situation and like i love that crap it's fun and uh man this was so beautifully illustrated by yeah. del mundo though man just killed like some of the pages were so crazy psychedelic and weird yeah, man and then he would bring it all back with like the two you know human characters and i agree rodriguez did not spend the whole book whining and stuff like figured it out pretty quick and went all right i just want to live Mm-hmm. And to do so, I got to follow this gigantic <laughs> <laughs> Valkyrie woman yeah, with this huge, weird very act cool character. that cuts wizards in half. <laughs> it, it also goes a little bit back to your review about Black Knight, where you guys were like, well, maybe this character that's in Weird World should be falling around the Black Knight. Right. You know, so it's kind of that sort of tale that you guys were also... Yeah pining for yeah bit. it is and it's just unfortunately the black knight book just sucks so i did but i'm giving this a huge buy it. I, didn't read it I had a ton of fun with this one all right matt i want to know what you read this week lay it on me <laughs> you got a deal buddy <laughs> this week i decided to review alan son of hellcock number one from z2 comics i think this is the first thing I've ever noticed from Z2 Comics. They seem pretty new on the scene. Written by Will Tracy and Gabe Koplowitz with art by Miguel Porto. This is 32 pages for $3.99. The story begins here, much like the intro to the 1982 Conan the Barbarian film, with the narrator telling the tale of Hellcock, who did roam the land of New Champia, dealing agonizing pain from atop his mighty steed. You can hear Mako's voice reading the tales of young Hellcock and his glorious battles. It's here we learn of Hellcock's supremely macho exploits and his ongoing feud with Lord Krong. The tone of the comic instantly becomes apparent with Porto's over-the-top cartoonish fantasy art, very solid colors, but still very well-fleshed-out backgrounds and panels. He packs them full of weird characters and ridiculous monsters. We see Hellcock carving his way through armies with his gigantic sword. There's a scene that sets up the many battles with him and Lord Krong, and it sees him fighting atop a whale with a mustache <laughs> and a yeah. monocle at one point. <laughs> I love that. And the, it's smiling, too. <laughs> I love how, like all those scenes. They're fighting, and there's like just a guy standing, like going about his business, gathering rhubarb or whatever. Or they're, they're, they're at the wine tasting. <laughs> yeah. and like, it's like, oh, it's a little oaky for me. <laughs> Unfortunately, Hellcock was devoured by a dragon, and Lord Krong took over the whole kingdom. Enter Alan, the bespectacled, skinny, nerdy, comic book artist son of Hellcock. He's everything his father isn't. So much so that most don't even believe he's actually Hellcock's son. Unfortunately, the only proof he has is his father's ghost that follows him everywhere, (laughs) berating his cowardice and complete lack of sexual prowess. I'm not familiar with any of these creators' work, but they are really on to something here. Tracy and Kopowitz write this barbarian fantasy with the same tongue-in-cheek humor of The Princess Bride. It's very much a fantasy story, but there's a lot of modern humor that's kicked around. 
This is packed with homage to every fantasy story you can think of with nods to Conan, The Warriors 3, The Lord of the Rings, and many, many more. But Alan is a very modern artist, nerd, living in this ridiculous world (laughs) inhabited by meathead orcs and hard-drinking gnomes, ridiculous monsters, and cute hipster sorceresses. There's a number of laugh-out-loud gags and dialogue I love the interactions between Alan and his father's old fat ghost. It's like brother voodoo with a sense of humor. (laughs) Even better is the fact that after Helcock Sr. was killed, Lord Krong, the bad guy that wore like a big scary skull mask, took over the country, balanced the budget. Oh, and plague deaths are way down too. So like everybody's pretty happy. (laughs) Krang has a son of his own who longs to be respected as a badass villain like his father, who spends most of his time golfing with monsters now. Now, Carl, who is Krong's son, sets out to make a hero for him to kill, and it looks like that hero is going to be Alan. This was such a fun and hilarious read. Porto's art and character design is as visually hilarious as the dialogue and works so well in every panel. Alan, son of Hellcock, was a fantastic surprise. I can't give this a bigger buy it. I loved it. It was a riot, and I don't know if it's, I liked it as much as I did because of, you know, I am a fan of fantasy, but then there's the whole, he's a, he's a struggling comic book artist. Yeah. And he he's, just kind of dresses he's working like on a graphic any novel. nerd. He's got like a long sleeve shirt, glasses, yeah, and jeans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and a lot of the humor was really subtle and for being a 32 page book, it felt so much denser. Yeah, it really did. So much thicker. There was a lot to a read. Big read. And yeah, man, it was it was pretty fun. I want to give it a buy it, but I I had a big problem with a, pretty much everything I read this week. Where I was like, personally, buy it, but is it a thing for the masses? I mean, I think it's funny enough that anybody think so? could jump. I mean, into if this. you like a humor book and yeah. you can kind of get what they're what they're doing, yeah. then yes, okay, and, and not let's an, do it in your I'll face wacky humor book. It's not like they're doing like a. Harley Quinn and Power Girl make fart uh, noises for 32 pages. Sure, you know, sure. Like, yeah, no, not, this is like legitimately funny and well-written. Yes, it's not toilet humor. It is uh, a little bit more of an intellectual humor, I guess, if you could call it that. If you've ever been beaten up by an orc, you would understand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's a double buy it for Weird World and a double buy it for Alan, son of Hellcock. I can't believe I had to work you on that one. I can't believe I thought you were just. I'm trying it. to be like. <laughs> I heard Joe yell at you one time and go, "Hey man, you it's not. You got to think it's for your recommendation for everybody." All now, right, all right, that's fair. Now, prove your worthiness to your fathers by weirding us out with your opinions on these comics over at the THN forums. We'll be looking for them. It's true. Quick, Garrett, in here! It's it's no use, they're right behind me! Damn this spoiler horde! Is there nowhere two men with real lives, jobs, responsibilities, and no interest in seeing Star Wars with a bunch of screaming idiots to hide? Around the corner. Jared, I'm seeing a movie later today, but I'm not sure how much longer I can run. Stay with me, buddy. Don't give up on me now. You've never given up on anything in your life, you stubborn bastard! Now, are you really going to let a bunch of loudmouth nerds and Max Landis spoil your way with Star Wars? <laughs> 
<laughs> the dick Mac- Max Landis was on Twitter last night, like putting out spoilers. I guarantee he was drunk, you know. Like, oh, yeah. No way! So keep up with us if you can while Jared and I dodge Star Wars spoilers and tell us we can get to the theater and review 10 more of this week's comics. I'm old. for speed! Go! Darth Vader Annual, number one from Marvel Comics. That was exhausting. I realize we are reviewing many Marvel books this episode, so keep your mouth shut, literal. But <laughs> suck it up. It's Star Wars week, so let's read and review some Star Wars comics. Starting with the big bad man trapped in black, that's Dorothy V, baby. <laughs> Vader travels to Shu Torun to reinforce their cooperations in these challenging times. I think it's Shadow Run. (laughs) The Galactic Empire may have lost their Death Star, but they will not lose any Imperial-controlled planets to the Rebel Uprising. Kyrian Gillen writes a bad news Darth who confidently strides about. Every move and sentence is cool and calculated. Lenil Yu delivers what you expect from him when it comes to the art. It's solid stuff. It's a good book about a bad guy. I love the Darth Vader book. It's so awesome. I'm just reading the reading it now, like I said earlier. I oh, love it. It's great. Lucifer number one, DC slash Vertigo. I loved Mike Carey's Lucifer series that ran from 2000 to 2006, so I had to check out this new series. The premise is similar to the last one. Lucifer is on Earth and running a nightclub in L.A., but here he's been accused of the murder of God and charged with solving the murder alongside the angel Gabriel to prove his own innocence. Holly Black's script is pitch perfect and sets up a really cool mystery with a biblical twist. The art by Lee Garbett is just amazing as usual. That guy's awesome. And if that guy's a girl, I apologize. (laughs) Lucifer gets a gigantic buy it. I only wish the TV show that was coming was going to be this well written. Not another, oh, it's a cop show with the devil. Come on. (laughs) Canon number nine from Marvel Comics. Star Wars Weeks continues. If you are like me, you just didn't feel drawn to the one Star Wars book that features your second least favorite character from the Disney Star Wars Rebels animated series. What better reason to pick up a random issue then, right? And that's three <laughs> issues deep into a new storyline. It's brave. I like it. But maybe it will change your feeling about the character. Not really. But Pepe Larraz is a fine artist, and seeing him draw in the Star Wars U is a treat. There is a story within a story going on in this book. Uh, Cannon is uh, recovering from wounds in a back-to-tank while being hunted by the Empire, which is a perfect time for a flashback to young Padawan days. That story there is typical Clone Wars type affair, as found in the Dark Horse series. Uh, the villain re- reveal at the end was pretty cool. So if you like Jedi sneaking around when they should all be Order 66, buy this book. All right, then. Wow. Okay. Although, canceled in March. Weird. Oh, sorry, guy I don't like on the show. <laughs> Judge Dredd number one by IDW. Dredd finally gets his first monthly title in the U.S., and it's a fun read. Artist of Dread Mega City 2, Ulysses Farinas, writes the story here of Dread and Mega City 1 transplanted to the Stone Age. That was quite the sentence, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, yes. it's fun, it's pitch perfect, and I only wish the art of Dan McDade could have kept up with the script. I like McDade's work. I loved the work he did on Vandroid in 2014. But his art here was inconsistent at best. I'm still on board, and I want to read more. 
I just wish Farinas was drawing this new Judge Dread 2. Doing it is skim it. Oof. Dragon Age Mage Killer number one from Dark Horse. I've been on a minor grade Rucka Bender lately, so when I saw that he was writing the newest in the Dragon Age line of comics, I got so pumped. I was shocked. I can't believe uh, Greg yeah, Rucka. Right. Now, unlike the Dragon Age comics to come before from Dark Horse, this series does not feature any of the characters from the video games as leads. Now, Rucka is known for writing strong female characters, and once again, he's got a lead character lady. Her name's Tessa. She's one of a pair of mage killers and the narrator of this tale. Along with her partner, Marius, they're killers for hire, specialists in bringing down apostate blood mages and the demons they summon. I hate those guys. Oh, dude, it's gross. It's too bad Chad Harden is not drawing this series as he did the others, but that doesn't mean Carnero's art is bad. He sounds like a professional poker player. Is it a girl? Is it a guy? I don't know. <laughs> Look, <this laughs> they series... definitely wear those glasses with the weird eyes on the outside, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Look, this series is probably better for those already invested in the world of Dragon Age, but I can't help but put my trust in Rucka, so therefore I'm giving it a very strong skim it. Okay. Squadron Supreme number one Marvel! I didn't know what to expect here other than badass art from Leonard Kirk. That guy is awesome. But it seems James Robinson's squadron is pissed off at Namor after his actions leading up to the Secret Wars, and they're out for revenge. This story moved so fast and took me by surprise. No spoilers, but I have to wonder if this even counts because something huge happened in like the first seven pages. It is a major tone shift from the Squadron Supreme of the past, bringing them more in line with Wildstorm's authority title of the 1990s. But I have got to see where the Squadron Supreme goes from here. They are really throwing a wrench into the Marvel Universe with the group like this. If they're going to do what I think they're doing, Mm. I'm giving it a buy it. With that said, I do not give a shit about old man Steve Rogers team members. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I hate Fairyland. Number three from Image. Seeing Scotty Young's art on this book, I get it. Personally, his baby variant covers killed any enjoyment I once got from his artwork. Yeah, I Sick of them. But drinking in the madness of Fairyland and seeing him draw whatever craziness he wants, I get why people love this guy. But I'm still over it. I Hate Fairyland is weirder than Weird World in a truly demented Alice in Wonderland way. Adult Gert, trapped in a little girl body, is hacking her way through Fairyland in search of a key, but is no closer today than she was 30 years ago. Bummer. Fairyland wants to be rid of her, but Gert's stupidity and insanity isn't making it easy. (laughs) So, reinforcements are brought in, in the shape of another little girl. The title says it all. It's comical, kooky, and colorful. I bet you'll have fun with it, but it's not my crazed cup of tea. Buy it. Star brand and Nightmask number one, Marvel. Writer Greg Weissman has the unenviable task of taking two characters from Marvel's New Universe storyline in the 80s that Jonathan Hickman co-opted for his wildly confusing Avengers story arc and making them relatable. He does a fine job, but the characters are so far from what we saw in Hickman's run, I was left scratching my head. Starbrand has been reduced to a college dude, and Nightmask is his buddy that speaks like a computer. I have to wonder, does anyone really care about these characters enough that they need their own monthly book? Which is just another way of me saying, do we need a Starbrand and Nightmask comic? Up yours, literal. That's two. (laughs) The answer is no. Leave it. Klaus, number two from Boom Studios. I had to get one holiday theme review in here no matter how thin that Yuletide connection is. 
Grant Morrison's take on the Santa Claus mythos is more comical than I expected, which is nice. There are elements from the Rankin and Bass Santa Claus is Coming to Town TV special that you may only notice if you dig watching those old shows. Yuletide is canceled in the town, forcing Klaus to sneak around at night sleeveless, yet not affected by the cold. He's a badass. (laughs) He is. (laughs) Dropping toys on doorsteps for the children and along the way creating a snowman out of an unfortunate town guard. But getting out of town may not be as simple as getting in for the crimson hooded Klaus. I am surprisingly delighted with this book. I think this could be really magical. Buy it. I feel like Santa as a superhero is a genre that can only exist in comics. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Super Zero number one, Aftershock. Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti write the story of Drew Dragowski, a questionably autistic or maybe just insane high school kid that desperately wants superheroes to exist. So much so, she's willing to try and recreate the origins of some of her favorite heroes, such as hiring a homeless man to rob her parents at gunpoint. What she might not know about Batman's origin is when Batman's parents were held at gunpoint, they both got shot and killed. (laughs) There is a load of dialogue here, and most of it sounds like it was plucked directly from a Diablo Cody script. Kids in high school do not talk like the Gilmore Girls trying out for a Kevin Smith movie. They were dropping like Shawshank Redemption, you know, like lines and stuff like, no, I'm sorry. Raphael De La Torre's art was great, and the coloring gave the story a very animated look, but the story just didn't go anywhere, and the dialogue just left me rolling my eyes over and over again. I'm giving this a skim it, because they put a lot of work into it, and it is very well done, but man, I thought it was boring. (laughs) (laughs) That is your ludicrous speed round, and WABOOM is the onomatopoeia of the week and the sound of Nitro blowing himself up as seen in the end of Starbrand and Night Mask, number one. But you don't need to read it. <laughs> it just, you, we don't need it. It's truly been a week for celebrating the Star War fandom, so Matt and I thought it would be the perfect time to invite our friend Otho, the interior decorator and spiritualist from Beetlejuice, to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. Otho will be performing a seance that will summon some of our favorite Jedi spirits to share with us the secrets of next week's comics. Ooh. Matt, I don't know if Jedis do that or not. <laughs> oh, boogity, boogity, boogity. <laughs> Matt, let's get this info out of them quick before Yoda ages into oblivion. He's fine. <laughs> What are you excited for next week? Next week, I'm excited for Last Gang in Town, number one from DC Vertigo. This is written by Simon Oliver with art by Rufus Daglo. I find it very hard to believe that is his given name. 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Forget what you know of England, of the, quote, land of hope and glory, unquote. Instead, try damp and depressing and embrace this miserable island for what it is. Our story kicks off in 1976, the country coming apart at its flared corduroy seams a decade after the Great Train Robbery, when British crime has gone decidedly soft in the middle. Time for a new generation of criminals to rise. A band of snotty-nosed heroes driven by destiny and cheap cider who will strike fear back into the establishment, put art back into crime, and crime back into art, and pull off what will become known as the heist of the century. It's a new series from Simon Oliver, who is doing Federal Bureau of Physics, or FBP, which I loved and nobody read. It was so good. And Rufus Daglow, who's done a bunch of work on 
Tank Girl. This spans three decades from the punk rock 70s to the decadent 80s and beyond. They don't even mention the 90s because the 90s sucked so bad. <laughs> I think this sounds completely awesome. This is another great looking Vertigo title. Can't wait for this one. Jared, what are you reading next week? Listen, my answer can only be King Conan, Wolves Beyond the Border, number one. Writer Timothy Truman, artist Thomas Giorello. These guys so good. rock these books. So good. It's from Dark Horse Comics, 32 pages. It's a miniseries, $3.99 an issue. The return of a fan favorite Conan creative team. King Conan grows weary of the crown when an old soldier visits him with talk of a cursed relic and rumors of pickish tribes preparing a full-scale invasion on Aquilonia's borders, Conan eagerly embarks on what could be his final adventure. A fan-favorite team expands on Robert E. Howard's unfinished Wolves Beyond the Border tale. This is a perfect companion piece to the books that have come before. Just They, you know, yeah. they flow them all together really well. I'm super excited because this was just a scrap it wasn't a finished story found in Howard's. Uh, oh, that's this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And like it, the story originally didn't even have Conan in it. Right. He was just mentioned. This might be the very end of the King Conan books that we get. I'll bet it like, is. Like this is the last of his work. I'll bet it is. So unless they let these dudes take over and do stories in that time frame king conan fan fiction yeah if they let him do that <laughs> then we'll get more from the, i'm which always ends up super gay yeah I don't get it. well i'm super excited to see this team come back like yeah. they're the best team doing this this conan stuff at, giarello is just yeah, amazing man. that guy is. so i'm super pumped although i do feel like conan strived all his life to become a king and then the second he sat on the throne and put the crown on he was like this yeah. sucks. Well, that that was the same uh, pretty much for all of Howard's kings. They were all like, what I do? <laughs> <laughs> the THN Trader of the Week goes to Where Monsters Dwell, The Phantom Eagle Flies the Savage Skies. From Marvel, written by Garth Ennis, with art by Russell Braun. It's 112 pages for $16.99. I'm not going to freak out about what the deal that is because, you know. You can do it. I am. Okay. Holy crap. That's a great deal. It's not a bad deal. I guess 17 bucks. Here's your solicit. Garth Ennis returns to Marvel. Fighter planes and dinosaurs collide in this raucous tale featuring the classic Marvel character Phantom Eagle. Ace pilot Carl Kaufman investigates the Valley of Flames, but soon finds himself in way over his head. This terrifying battle world domain is full of surprises and Carl is only just scratching the surface. Between hungry dinosaurs, angry Amazonians, and even crazier problems. I guess they couldn't think of another thing, but it's nuts. It's crazy. Carl has never been in a tighter spot. The beautiful tribe of <laughs> Ooh, warriors. <we're> in a <laughs> <tight> spot. <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful tribe of warriors who have taken a prisoner aren't very friendly at all, and these dinosaurs don't look domesticated. Carl aims to take to the skies once again, but can he beat the odds and the all new enemies he's managed to make this collects the where monsters dwell one through five secret wars battle world series whatever you want to call it yeah great show covers this one was totally overlooked i feel like nobody paid a lot of attention to it i loved it i wanted to read it pretty bad it was so it was just wacky I've been waiting fun. for a collection so. and you could tell garth ennis is like well i don't really do stories unless they have you know world war ii fighter pilots in them anymore <laughs> and they're like hey why do you want him to shoot dinosaurs <laughs> he's like that sounds cool <laughs> The lizard serpent fell 
Matt, we might want to let these guys go. These uh, shimmering spirits, uh, these ghosts are starting to fall apart. They're dead, Jared. They can't die again. Keep them together, Otho. It's fine. <laughs> I'm going to try and talk Matt out of this before Yoda's mouth falls off. In the meantime, head over to the THN forums and let us know what you're excited to read next Wednesday. Once a month, we check in with De Orca in the frozen wastes of Maine, where he sits atop his throne of cash from his comic sales. Luckily, he is willing to share the techniques that made him rich with you. Kids, it's time to play. Take the money and run. Hello, and good tidings to all the lawless nerds out there. Before we get to this month's episode of Take the Money and Run, Let's take a moment to recognize our beloved Joe and Matt. These guys are like little angels sitting atop our podcast apps. Twice a week they brighten our spirits and stiffen our candy canes with their wit and wisdom. As tradition dictates, we reward angels this time of year by sticking a 12-foot pine tree straight up their ass. So you next time you see them at their new job running a tentacle porn site, or perhaps opening for a Scorpions tribute band, grab the closest thing resembling a tree and have at it. This week we witnessed another fine example of their sainthood, as they brought everyone's favorite vagrant back to guest host. No doubt they'll let him sleep on the floor of the Zig for a few days to warm up. That VW van gets pretty cold and lonely this time of year. I heard they pay him with hot soup and day-old bread. Are those sleigh bells I hear? Or just the change old Toots has managed to bum this week down the old market? Holiday spirit abounds. So this is Christmas. Most nerds are off buying Katniss cowls. Good one, Elise. In December, the comic market tends to slow down as socially inept comic collectors are using the holidays to try and ditch the Scarlet V they have pinned on their X-Men t-shirts. It'll pick up again after the holidays. By the time the ball drops in Times Square, they've realized the gifts they got their fantasy girlfriends didn't get them the sex acts with sugar plums they had dancing in their heads. Then they'll get back to analyzing the Civil War trailer and who's the guy in the background over Black Panther's left shoulder at the one minute and seven second mark. More importantly, what was his first comic appearance and how much can I overpay for it? So we'll get away from that for a bit. Not completely, I've got one pick at the end, but today I thought I'd give you all you need to start selling on eBay yourself. It's eBay 101 Orca Style. Too often, nerds tell me that selling on eBay is too much hassle, which really means I'm too lazy or stupid to try it, so I'll leave hundreds of dollars on the table and cement my lifetime celibacy by filling my home with funny books. But it ain't tough, and I'm here to show you. I don't proclaim that it's the best way. I'm sure there are far better eBay's out there than me. But we're not going for best. We're going for easiest. Worry about best later. All you need is the following. A big box, a small box, a light box, a workspace or table of some sort, packing supplies, a smartphone or a tablet, and of course, your comics. Let's start with the items that just made you scared. A portable light box makes all the difference for your photos. 
Ironically, you can buy them on eBay. Search Tent Light Box. There's one on there now for $35 in free shipping. Comes with a 20-inch box and two lights. Now your photos won't make you look like you have a kitty dungeon in your basement. Even if you do. Packing supplies. Most of these provide themselves, you just have to use your nugget. Start keeping the cardboard your packages arrive in. If you have Amazon Prime, start getting your toiletries and stuff through them. You'll save money and you'll feed your little business endeavor. Break down the boxes and store them in the big box. Fill the little box I mentioned with old comic backing boards you would normally throw out. Don't tell me you don't rebag and board everything you buy. Who do you think you're talking to? While we're at it, make the switch to silver bags and boards. We're gonna be shipping stuff and that extra quarter inch acts like a bumper when Mr. Postman gets his mitts on it. Now go back to eBay and order a box of number four bubble mailers and a box of number five bubble mailers. 53 bucks gets you a hundred of each. With the light box, we're still under a hundred dollars spent. Now go buy a good box cutter, a few rolls of packing tape, and a box of Sharpies. eBay used to suck, because you'd have to take a picture with your digital camera, then download it to your computer, then upload it to your listing. And even once you were good at it, it would take 20 minutes per item. That's not fast enough. I got drugs to chase and broads to do. Wait, switch that around. <laughs> well, no, I guess that works, whatever. Now with the app, I can list something in like four minutes. Picks and all. Your first one will take like 30 minutes, but the next one will take 20 minutes and then 10 and quicker and quicker and quicker as you get the hang of it. I ship everything media mail. I know they say nothing with ads in it so comics don't count, but fuck them, right? How many times does the mailman fuck you? Feels nice to roll him over and take charge. I charge fixed rates, none of this postage scale shit. You can get in that, into that later if you want, but I don't. I don't even print my labels. We're Guerrilla Warriors here, not LL fucking Bean. $4.99 for one book, then a dollar more per book, up to $9.99. On the rare occasion that I sell a lot bigger than 10 comics, I usually eat any shipping over the 10 bucks. Keep it simple. Now to packing, this is key. Damage books are bound to happen, but let's shoot for less than 2% of transactions, resulting in back and forth bullshit with a buyer. All my books are bagged and boarded. If it's a lot, stick the good one in the middle. Added protection. Then I use old comic boards to make a little shell around the items. Usually takes like four boards. If you want, you can write thank you on this inner shell. Maybe ask them for positive feedback, whatever. Next, I use a heavy-duty cardboard I've saved to make another larger shell around the item. I tape that up a bit, put it in the bubble mailer, tape that up, and address it. At this point, no normal bumping or dropping will hurt the books inside, and it's off to the post office. Now don't gripe to me about all the headaches. You can't open a PayPal account? Well, then it's time for a special needs social worker. How I'm 92 when I did it. If you've got questions, post them in the forums under this week's episode, and I'll do my best to answer them. Maybe some of the other nerds have ideas too. As for the tip, 
we did get a split second of Doomsday in the Superman, Batman, Dawn of Godot scat film trailer. That's all it took. Go to eBay and type 111-849-198-821 into the search field. This asshole's asking 115 bucks for two copies. He'll get it too. He's already got four watches and the auction isn't even half done. Whoever buys that is a sucker, plain and simple. Don't be the sucker, be the asshole. Take the money and run. By the way, the asshole in question in that auction? <laughs> it's me! <laughs> Kiss, kiss, Neds. Sort of sort break of, it, sort break of, it down, down like down, this. Down. And that is it for the night before Star Wars episode of THN. If you dig podcasts that understand the real reason for the season, the birth of J.J. Abrams, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And while you are there, leave us your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, or your little hearts. That's what you do when you go to TuneIn. You give them a little heart when you like it. And because little it, emojis. It's cute. Because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners. And it is so important. Please, you guys. We need your help. Thanks to all our donors. You're helping this Death Star destroy comics one at a time. If you want to help support THN, you can do so by clicking our PayPal button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. To become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation monthly box. And as little as $1 a month really does help. You pay a dollar a month for all kinds of stupid shit. Come on, Come on dude. guys. If you're interested in sponsoring THN, shoot us an email with the subject line, a sponsorship. Yeah, we want free stuff. <laughs> if you want to yell at us personally, head over to TwoHeadedNerd.com. There, you can find the links to all of our contact info via Periscope. We film this show every week on Periscope. It's happening right now. I look a little fat. I have a name tag on so you know which one I am. <laughs> via Periscope, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Tumblr, where we post the outtake of the week, which we may have just had. I don't know. Skype and the Ziggurat hotline. That phone number, 402-819-4894. Use it to be a part of this show. If you can't get enough of it and you dig the music you hear on the show, you can subscribe to our soundtrack playlist on Spotify by searching for Matt Bomb's Spotify profile. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to Michelle Patrick, who had surgery on her butt or something. Joe told me about it and I pretended to pay attention. Regardless, we're glad she pulled through. Yes, we are. Where do you, Mrs. Patrick, if you're watching right now? Your bionic body must get better. That's right. But after that, yeah, dude. <laughs> Slow motion bounding. I totally. It's going to be awesome. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just perform some butt surgery of his own. This is the 200 Nerd. Wishing you all a happy holiday, solstice, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa, Christmas, Black Peter. There's a Black Peter celebration somewhere, too. We are going to take next week off for the holiday, but we'll be back. The week after, with our THN Best of Golden Beppo Awards, where Joe and I will hand out awards for all the best a comics, full of them. characters. Yeah, yeah. A box full of Beppo overflowing. I'm steal one of these Beppos <laughs> on the way out. We, have to, we can't get the creators to actually take them, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's some from last year. They don't look as nice, though. This is a two-headed nerd signing off. Santa Claus is coming to town.